Hey, I'm Pastor Rhonda. And I'm Pastor Seth. You're listening to Growing Hope. Living Faith. How are you doing, Pastor Seth? Um, doing very, very well. So we're finally, I think, getting over some sickness in our house, which is Yay. a great thing. Uh, seems like, once again, we've been sick so much, but uh, right. but it's good. Uh, today, we're shooting on January 18th. is actually my daughter's birthday. Oh, happy birthday I to know. sweet Emery. She's turning five. It's actually my dad's birthday, too. So oh, my goodness. So they birthday. Yeah. yeah. Extra birthday cake. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but no, doing really, really well. So, how are you good. been? Really well. Have you? Yeah. I woke up this morning, and I had my books piled up to start mm-hmm. reading my devotions, and the Lord's like, I'm going to song for for you. So kind of put that reading on hold and just jumped into reading. Uh, I mean, to writing. That's awesome. Got a whole song done pretty much. Um, it needs editing, (laughs) but yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of writing, I don't know. We're shooting on January 18th. Do you, uh, you know what January 18th national day is? It's the day that we celebrate thesauruses. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm so weird like that. I love a thesaurus. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't ever use one. Hardly oh, ever. I used it today. Mm. It makes your writing so much stronger because, you know, you can find a word and think, I can be a little more descriptive. Mm-hmm. Give me some choices. Mm-hmm. Or when you're songwriting, syllables matter. Sure. So if you have, um, a, if you're looking for two syllables and the only word you can think of is three, you can just put that baby in there and yeah. bam, right there. You have two, lots of choices. Do a lot of your songs rhyme? Do you do a lot of rhyming in your songs? Oh yeah. 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 Rhymezone.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so those are my little tools. Yeah. That's now awesome. you know my secret. Right. Well, that's, everyone knows it. Everyone yeah. can write songs. Nice. If you want to write well, to do, write sure. better, use a rhyme zone and the source. Well, you know, I, I think I mentioned before, I'm not a, a heavy writer, you know, I wish I wrote more than I do, but uh, so that's probably why I don't use it as much. Yeah, I'm weird like that. You're I love to write. Weird. <laughs> weird about that. So uh, we do have a, a pretty full episode for yes. you guys today. And so um, we're going to kind of jump into it pretty fast and um, excited about what this episode may hold for us and for you. Um, and as always, we, we're just praying you have an open heart, open spirit, open mind that you might be able to hear what God may have for you today. Um, but we can go and jump into the text, I think. Sure. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, starting in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So none of you can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Wait, how do you say that? Stephanus. Stephanus is what I was saying. Yeah. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. As you were reading that, a question really popped into my brain, especially on the onset of that passage. Um, do you really think it's possible to truly be unified 
kind of in thought and in maybe deed? Um, or is that really like a pipe dream? I don't well, know. Well, he says to be perfectly yeah. united. I'm it's like, ooh, that's yeah. hard. But again, like we've talked about in the past, there's mm-hmm. a difference between being united and uniformity. Right. So, yeah, we're always going to have differences. But yeah. Division is a lot easier than togetherness. Oh, yeah. And I think that we see that lived out in the world. Right. I think that's how the world lives. It's so easier to divide and push people away mm-hmm. um, that might challenge you or that might think different. And so it's so easy to do that. And that's how the world lives and how the world operates rather than trying to think through and how how can we be together? Right. Because everyone is right in their own eyes, you mm-hmm. know. And so when we're right and we just want to find other people that we can link up with that are right too. I'm thankful that thought process doesn't invade the church. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, Lord <goodness>. help us. <laughs> yeah, really. Lord help us. And uh, this passage is, is really good because, you know, Paul did amazing things. I'm mm-hmm. sure all of these others, Apollos, all of them, they all did great things. And it's, it's easy sometimes to attach ourselves to ideas or to people or to thought processes mm-hmm. and for that to really become the thing for us if we're not really, really careful. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we do that with all kinds of things uh, as far as the church goes. Right. Sometimes we attach ourselves to the Bible, that the Bible is the very thing <laughs> that kind of we feel like gives us life. Um, right. Sometimes, once again, it's our doctrine, that it's our doctrine that gives us and it is so easy for us. Sometimes we attach to a pastor, like, man, that pastor, mm-hmm. their teaching, their preaching, um, everything just lines up and it's so good. And it's so, right. uh, it's so easy for us to do that. Um, but Paul's really trying to push the people away from that. Right. And he does call them brothers and sisters. So mm-hmm. it's an indication he is talking to believers right, here. Right. So he's not talking about division in general. He is talking about specific problems about people lining up, mm-hmm. you know, with others, you know, besides Christ. Right, right. Well, and uh, it's hard. It's not easy to do no. that. It's, it's really not. Because um, like I said, we're drawn to people who think like us, who look like us, who um, are, are very, very similar. Right. And because we understand that. Right. Yeah, right. And the only way to break away from that is to be with other people, is to subject, position ourselves, right. you know, to... You know, they say you can't walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Well, you you can't, but you can get very close to them and you can walk alongside them, you know. Um, But yeah, and it makes me think of my preschool teaching days, you know, when working with young children and especially toddlers and having babies. And, you know, you're taught if you want to baby proof your house, you got to get down on your hands and your knees and you got to crawl around and you have to, you know, see what cords you can pull on to, you know, Pull something down on your head, you know, that's the only way you can can really truly baby proof your house is if you get down on that level, not saying that you have to get down. I'm not trying to say that, but you have to um, you have to be able to position yourselves to be able to listen and to be able to experience life differently. And right. we don't want to do that. We we just stay away from people that aren't like us. Right. hundred yeah. um, percent. It's like I said, it's just so much easier not to try to understand. Um, it's easier to just kind of wipe our hands clean and just, like I said, just be people that look like us, that think like us, mm-hmm. that talk like us, that um, instead of expanding our boundaries. But it, Paul essentially says that the cross is all about that movement from the comfortable to the uncomfortable. And that's what mm-hmm. Jesus and the cross is really all about. You know, 
Jesus invites us to take up our cross and follow after him. Um, and, and so that's, it's important. We don't, we don't hold true to an ideology. We don't right. hold true to a thing. Um, and Paul's saying we, we hold true to the cross right. and what the cross is all about. And the right. cross is that great representation um, that we, we extend ourselves mm. beyond right. what we know and what we understand. We experience the suffering of the world. We, I mean, it's just, it's a great picture and it's, it's an awesome picture for Paul um, right. to, to truly show us that um, that's, that's how we get unified. There's right. one thing that we can truly be unified behind and it really is the cross. Right. Cause we're all equal. We all need a savior. That's right. And, and there's no getting around that. Right. And once we truly experience the cross um, and kind of uh, the love of the cross and um, the fulfillment and the enjoyment, we experience God kind of in a different way because of the cross. Um, then uh, it, it becomes a lot, maybe not a lot easier, but it's the goal is then we live differently. And so we have to enter into, mm-hmm. because that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus life was all about, right. right? He was hanging out with people that the, the religious people had wanted nothing to do with. They couldn't believe right. he was hanging out right. with some of the people, but he was willing to, you know, step out um, of his comfort. He was willing to try to understand that which he didn't understand, which obviously he's Jesus, but that's the example that we have. He was willing to step into situations with people who were different. um, And he was able to be a light in those moments where maybe um, justice wasn't being fully fulfilled uh, for people. And um, I think that's a great example that Paul gives us right here. And and verse 18 really, really hits at it on a a really deep level um, that, you know, the the words, word of the cross, uh, we, we translate it message, but when I, you know, if you go back to the original language, it's this word, Mm. then it's symbolic of this idea. The cross is more than just a message that we listen to. It's this word, it's this embodiment. And really, I think of John one, where it says in the beginning was the word. And so it's this embodiment that Jesus embodies this cross uh, for us to be able to live out. Uh, and it's great because if you continue to read, read on First Corinthians chapter 1, he kind of really begins to talk about this, but essentially says the Jews are always looking for a sign. The Greeks are always looking for wisdom. They're looking for something. They're looking for something, searching for something, trying to find um, these things. Um, but Paul says, hey, the cross for believers is it. It's, mm-hmm. it's our identity. It's what connects us. It what's, it's what puts us all together. And any differences or things that we feel like we may have, um, all of those should disappear in right. light of the cross. Right. The power of God. It's the power and it's the power for us. And um, so, you know, as we are sitting here, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day essentially just happened. Right. And um, it's definitely one of those things that I think a lot of people have, have trouble understanding. Oh, yeah. Fully kind of realizing and now hear us. We are no experts on, um, on some certain feelings of different people. And, and I can't sit here and say that I fully understand everything that Martin Luther King Jr. and his followers and people who were pushing for change in a system that was very um, corrupt and maybe evil to some degree. Right. Um, I, I can't say that I understand or will fully understand nor me trying to, to talk about it. Am I trying to make it seem like I understand or that I'm an expert? And I think you'd probably say the same thing. Right. Um, but it is a, a great example, I think, uh, to the church. And um, I think what's pretty ironic is um, eventually the government came out and said, hey, this isn't right. And so right. we are going to integrate everything. <laughs> We're going to integrate government, school, sports, mm-hmm. work, 
all of those things. We're going to integrate those things. And we'll say that the government has done maybe the best in all of that. Um, but, th- but it is that that's essentially happened. Um, what I find fascinating is in the church, we haven't really right. done a great job of integration. Um, which is scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then it just seems to be like almost an overwhelming kind of problem. Like, where do you fix it? Because just being straight up honest here, mm-hmm. white people like us kind of gravitate to, you know, worshiping with mm-hmm. white people like us and black people tend to, you know, worship together with black people like them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, what do you do? And and I will say there are some churches that are more diverse and, sure. and it's not like, um, it's not like we say, Hey, only what people, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I do know what it's like to be that only person when you're the only white person in a, you know, a black church. And I experienced that several years ago in Nashville mm-hmm. and, um, I was, well, my friend Judy Neal and I, we were the only two white people in this whole church. But what I really loved about it is I didn't feel white mm-hmm. when I went, you know, it was obvious it's, you know, like no brainer. I'm like the only one here, but it didn't feel that way because right. everyone was nice. Everyone, um, you know, made me feel welcome and yeah. I loved the worship and I loved the preaching. I loved everything about mm-hmm. it. And I didn't even think about, oh, my skin color is totally different here because there was the spirit in me was connecting with the spirit of them. And it was like this color blindness kind of just kind of happened. I didn't really think about it, but I didn't feel out of place. But yeah, I mean, until you actually go into that environment, you don't know, you don't understand. And until... You know, we start doing that. We don't understand what other people are like, and there can be no unity. There can be, you know, no division right? If, until we get to know each other. Right. And, and we got to be careful with the language we use yeah. right, in our services. Um, right. Because sometimes we can be very exclusive, even in just our language and how we use right. our language. And, and it's innocent sometimes. We don't even right. know that we're doing it. I know. Just as I was telling that story, I was kind of like, trying to slow down and, and choose my words mm-hmm. because I don't want to be offensive. Right. God knows my heart. Mm-hmm. I do not want to be offensive whatsoever. And I, like I said weeks ago, I am in this process of learning. Teach me, search my heart with a fine tooth comb. I mean, I, I don't want any bit of bitterness, racism, mm-hmm. any kind of anything in my heart. So I'm just an open book. Lord, explore and show me and I'll repent. Right. There is something to just trying to push yourself out there to understand someone. Um, and, and we've been talking about it, but I think that's what kingdom calls us to, that if we're, right. if we're really going to see ourselves on the same footing, see ourselves as everyone truly as equal. And I think that's that's a huge, mm. huge reality of the kingdom of God. I've been preaching that on Sunday nights with our teens that we're all in the same playing field. Right. Just because we're pastors doesn't elevate us, um, but we're all in the same playing field. And um, if, if we're really going to do that and believe that and live that, then we've really got to push ourselves to the best of our ability to try to understand. And we can't, it's so easy for us to say that we understand or to try to say things that make us feel like we understand. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when someone, you know, they lose someone, it's easy for us to say, you know, well, I understand because I lost right. this person. 
when in truth, you ne- we can never fully understand where that person truly is at, you know? Right. And so, but we, we say things and we do things to try to make us feel better. And we right. can kind of wipe our hands and we can say, whoop, I, you know, I, right. I did what I did. Uh, it's kind of like Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I can't tell you how many posts on Facebook, and not that this is a bad thing, but of, of people who are just putting quotes out by Martin Luther King Jr. And then it's easy once again for us to say, well, I did my job, you know, I, right. I tried to, to raise awareness. Um, and, and at the end of the day, doing that, does it really bring us to a deeper understanding of what happened then per se? Right. And how is this potentially still going on? Where, where's injustice going on in the world right. in this area? Um, and so it's easier for us just to, like I said, just to wipe our hands and to kind of walk away and be like, right. we did our job. Right. And we can do that. I was thinking when you were talking about walking away, even like in grieving, like we don't mm-hmm. know what to say. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we avoid people because right. we don't know what the right mm-hmm. thing to say or do. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I did scroll a lot through Facebook. And, and for me personally, I loved reading all the quotes sure. because every one that I read, it challenged me. And I was like, man, I need to lean in more. I need to listen mm-hmm. more. I need to study this guy. I, I need to, I'll be honest, I've never read, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of his sermons. I have sure. read snippets, but I was challenged like, man, I need to just listen. I, I need to, to pay attention here. Yeah. And, and that's what the cross is, is it's that invitation to participation right. that it's, it's, it's a call to the deeper. Yeah. It's not just the surface. It's not just, um, but if, if you really want to, to know a people and kind of what makes them tick and their hardships, then you got to spend time with those people. Right. And that, that reminds me of a story that you told <laughs> <laughs> before we started recording. And I was just on the edge of my seat going, oh my word. <laughs> yeah, so tell us, a tell crazy us. crazy story. Um, and, I, and I'll share it. It's a long story. So I'm probably not going to go into all the details because, you know, it, it, we would be here for a while. But um, when I was in college at Trevecca, um, I had a, some awesome opportunities to be able to do some ministry with the homeless and really kind of fell in love with doing ministry to the homeless. And we'd go out in the city and pass out water and pass out food and just kind of hang out and talk and do some of that stuff. Um, you know, it even got to the point where we had police telling us, hey, if we keep doing what you're doing, then we're going to arrest you. So um, it's wow. kind of crazy. I mean, just some of the crazy, some of the stories we we have and um but uh me and a couple other guys um we really really wanted to experience and kind of know man what is what is it like to be homeless and so we hatched this little plan um that we would go uh and trevecca's i mean five minutes from downtown nashville and so we we hatched a plan with some of our homeless friends that we were going to come out and we were going to spend the night out on the streets with our friends and um we were going to plan on just kind of staying right there by um, the Cumberland River kind of flows through um, Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um, they had this um, vent that they would kind of lay on, especially when it was cold outside. Um, and it would heat up because of this, a lot of the stuff that was going through it. it was hot or warm. And mm-hmm. so it heated up. And so they sleep out there. So we were going to sleep out there. And so we set a date, set a time. We're going to meet here at this time. And um, we were really, really excited. And so we dressed down, tried to play the part to the best <laughs> of our abilities. And um, we obviously, as you're going to hear in a minute, we busted. weren't very good at that. Yeah, we got busted hard. Um, and so um, we set the date and we set some parameters because we really wanted to know what it was like. And so we couldn't take any cell phones with us. Um, we couldn't take any money with us. We took wow. no money. No cell phones. I think no we took, weapons. No weapons. No <laughs> nothing. And um, we um, uh, we 
said, the one thing we can do, because it was cold outside, is we could take a bag with a blanket. And so that's pretty much <laughs> that's all that any of us had. We had wow. no food, no nothing. We truly wanted to experience what it was like to be out there. So we were really excited and we were planning on leaving later in the night, but we actually left a little bit earlier just to kind of get out there. We're like, well, let's just go walk around and see what happens. So we got out there and um, we ran into a, a homeless guy. His name was Roscoe and um, he was drunk and um, and he was trying to sell us some CDs. And by this time, CDs were not really a thing that much anymore. <laughs> um, he was trying to sell them to us and um, he pegged us right away. Um, you know, he's like, what are you guys doing out here? I was like, oh, you know, we're just... Hanging homeless. out, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. pretending. So like, you guys are homeless. Y'all are y'all are college kids, and he's like, "All right, you got us." And he's like, "Man, if you really want to experience homelessness, like, let me take you where I live." And um, so he proceeds. We're standing under the Woodland Street Bridge right there in Nashville, and um, there's the barrier that holds up the bridge comes, and you can get underneath it. But we had to kind of go out over this really big drop off and go around wow. these metal bars, and then we went up the stairs, a, a ladder. And he began to proceed to take us out over the middle of the river, but we're underneath the bridge. So we're not on top of the bridge. We're underneath the bridge. And there's wire mesh and it's just this floor. And you had to, we had our backpacks and stuff, but we had to leave them behind in order for us to be able to kind of bend over and crawl wow. out there. And so we get over to the, to the middle of the river and he has a bed set up and he's got like a wind block and all this wow. cardboard and he's got his glasses and his cups and his, all this kind of wow. stuff that he has, his CD player and all that kind of stuff up there. And um, just begins to kind of share with us kind of his wow. home. That was his home. And he, and he, had, he had invited us into that. Um, you know, the two guys I was with, they were pretty scared. Um, <laughs> <something> <laughs> sure. Happen. Like, man, is someone going to get us when we go back? Is someone still in our bags right now? <laughs> and all that stuff. Our wind blanket. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and so um, we, we, we stay up there for a short moment. And then we head back and um, like, hey, we got to go meet up with our friends. And so we head back down and start kind of walking around and uh, some of our friends are starting together where we're going to meet um but not all of them are there and so we're there and uh, a guy homeless guy he was rough i mean just really 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 rough his name that they called him was pyro because he mm -hmm. loved to make fires and so they mm -hmm. just call him pyro he's making fires all the time and there was a pier um in downtown nashville right on the cumberland river and um, pyro lived underneath that pier and so pyro comes walking by and me and my two buddies and some of our homeless friends are just standing there talking. And um, Pyro's like, hey, I'm going to go get some firewood. Uh, does anybody want to help me? And I was like, sure, I'll help you. And then my buddies were like, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll stay here. You can go help him. And then, you know, that'd be fine. So we went over to a dumpster and we got some pallets out and all that kind of stuff. And we're carrying it, you know, back. And none of us really, we, none of us knew where we lived, where he lived. Mm. And so we throw the pallets down and I go down. They have no idea, once again, where he lives or where I went. And so I go down and... Um, we go underneath the pier and it's just me and Pyro, not probably not the smartest thing that I've ever done in my life, but it's me and Pyro under there. And uh, we start just kind of having a conversation. Wow. And, um, you know, for someone who is when he's out and about, he has this really hard kind of spirit and mm -hmm. demeanor about him to make sure that everyone knows that he's tough and you better not mess with him. We go under and uh, we start having this conversation. And he pulls out this notebook and he begins to show me all of these drawings. Oh, <laughs> and so he's an artist. Wow. And he just kind of begins to tell me some of the stories about why he draws and, and what he draws. And so it's absolutely fascinating. So, you know, something kind of starts ringing in my head like, hey, my buddy's probably wondering where I'm at. <laughs> so I need to <laughs> go make sure that my buddies know that I'm all right. And um, 
and I, I, I promise, and I say this <laughs> to this day, I was only down there for like 15 minutes, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And so I come up and go to the location where we're meeting our friends and nobody's there. <laughs> My friends are gone. Oh. They are absolutely gone. And I was, I mean, immediately my heart sunk. And at this point, I'm actually working at Trebekah as an RD, as <laughs> the assistant resident director. And nobody knew that we were coming out this night. And um, and my mind just immediately starts going, I'm in oh, trouble. no, <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, I didn't know. Well, first off, I knew they didn't have their phones. So it's yeah. not like they can call yeah. Trebekah easily. Um, they had no money. So, you know, like. <laughs> Um, it wasn't, they weren't going to be able to make any phone calls, but I was like, man, are they going to go try to find the police? Are they going to be coming and looking for me? Like, man, what's going to happen? So they're not there. So immediately, man, I just start running the cities of Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I got my backpack on cause I got my blanket. I'm running the, the cities. Um, during this time it starts to snow. <laughs> so snow is falling down. We're out here. They're lost. I'm lost. I have no idea where they're at. Um, and we had a contingency plan where if it rained or it snowed, we were going to be staying in an alley a couple of streets over from the river. So I, you know, I ran over there and they weren't there. I ran back to the truck, which is about seven blocks. We parked it a long ways away intentionally so that there wasn't that draw for us. So I ran like seven blocks to the truck. They wow. weren't at the truck. Wow. We had no contingency plan. Wow. Like, Hey, if we get split up, you know, it just never really began, you know, really crossed our mind. And, um, wow. And so I'm running all around Nashville. I'm yelling their names, just desperately looking for them. And so I probably run around the city. I mean, I'm going up and down every street. I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm just running all over the place. <laughs> I was in better shape back then than I am now. And um, just yelling their names, just looking for them. And I'm just, this whole time, I'm just like, what are they going to, where are they at? What are they going to do? Like, I mean, it's just un. Real. And so um, I probably ran around for what seemed like an hour, I, I would imagine. <laughs> I don't know. It may have been longer. It may have been shorter. But to me, it felt like eternity almost. Wow, I'm and, sure it um, did. I finally decided, like, I'm going to go back to our original meeting spot. So I'm kind of a latch-dish effort, and I don't know what I'm going to do from that point if they're not there. And so I was way up First Avenue, kind of running down the hill towards uh, Broadway and First Avenue. And I come down and I get to our meeting spot and I'm yelling their names. And then I, I hear a Seth. <laughs> kind of in the Music distance. to your ears. <laughs> and I, I mean, it really is like my heart. Right. I mean, it just leapt for joy. And they come around the corner and we just hug and we embrace each other. Um, and we, you know, just we're like, oh, my goodness, we cannot believe that this just happened. Um, and then they kind of began to tell me their story. Some of the things that they were experiencing, they're like, man, we didn't know what we we're going to do. Like we thought we were going to have to beg people for change to be able to make a phone call on the payphone wow. <laughs> to be able to call back to Trevecca because like we, they're like, we thought for sure you were dead. We thought you were wow. gone. Like, wow. And so they're walking around the streets hopelessly. Um, we have uh, one of our, one of our homeless friends, her name was Dorothy. She was about 55 years old, but she looked like she was 85 mm. because she just had all these wrinkles and she had been living on the streets for so long. The weather and everything had just, I mean, it and she always pushed a buggy, like mm -hmm. a, a, a shopping cart around. And she had all of her stuff in the shopping cart. And uh, what had happened is she was ready to go to sleep, but she wasn't going to sleep out there. So uh, my buddies went with her and took her over to the alley. And when they went over and took her to the alley, um, 
there was another guy that was laying there sleeping. And um, as they were entering in the alley, he kind of moved his sleeping bag and he pulled out a pistol and then he put oh. it right back in and wow. it covered back up. And so that was their experience. Of, wow. First off, they don't know where I'm at. They think I'm dead. Um, they're running around the city trying to find me. They're trying to help some of our homeless friends, even in the process. And they have this experience. Now, it turns out that gun actually wasn't a real gun. It was just a little pellet gun um, that the guy had to just kind of protect himself. Um, wow. But man, it was, if you're talking about like really trying to understand Mm-hmm. kind of the homeless. It wasn't until we truly put ourselves right. in their shoes and we truly began to to try to understand on a much, much deeper level because we were so helpless and we right. were hopeless. <laughs> like fear, we were hopeless. I can't imagine yeah, the fear. Like, and to think of them like we had an emergency and we, we couldn't make a phone call. Like we were gonna, yeah. we were gonna have to beg to be able to make a phone call. Uh, and by this point, it was about two o'clock at night and our friends were like, eh, you guys have probably got a pretty good experience. <laughs> you probably can head back right. to campus and maybe we can try this again another night. And um, but yeah, it's and that's that's the call of the cross is, right. is if you really want to understand people, then you got to push yourself right. to be with people right. and to journey with people and to live life with people and to suffer with people. And that's the call of the cross and the push of the cross. And I think that's what Paul is saying here. The cross is the thing that really connects us all together. It gives us purpose. It gives us life. To the world, it's foolishness, but it's a word. It's an idea. Mm-hmm. It's it's Jesus that continues to push us. And the more and more that we understand each other, then the easier it truly is to be united and together. And I, th- I think that's what the, the thing, that's what this passage is talking about. That's amazing. I can't imagine. And I'm sure it affected you for the rest of your Absolutely. life. You know, gratefulness, you know, mm-hmm. because you had an option. Mm-hmm. You had a truck, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was a bittersweet guilt, yeah. you know, feeling. Mm-hmm. But years have gone by. You still have a heart for the homeless. And you know what it's like, you know, for people to be on the streets. And yeah. Absolutely. And uh, what it does is it, it helps me to be able to see um, the reality of their lives. Um, in conversations and all of that, we, we begin to see um, that sometimes there are systems that essentially keep people down. Um, there are a lot of hoops that they have to walk through and try to journey through if they want to try to get up um, to try to change their life or to not be homeless anymore. Um, there's a lot of things that are in place that you uh, have to have, like an address and different things if you want to be able to qualify uh, for certain grants or certain um you know, privileges um, that the that the government throws out there. And, and there's a lot of people on the street that want to be on the street. Uh, there's a lot that d- desire not to be on the street. And unfortunately, there's systems in place in our government, um, systems in place in local governments and all of that, um, that, that makes it really, really hard um, sometimes to get out of homelessness for the people who really want to try to get out. And so it gives me the desire to fight for them to say, you know, this isn't right and we, we can do better. Uh, we can make things more right, I guess, if that's a better way to say it. Uh, but that's the goal is, as I've had this experiences and experiences I've had with the homeless is there are some things that just aren't right. And I, I would not have understood that unless I went and spent time with them and journeyed with them and had conversations with them and listened to them. I, I would not have I've done that. And that's the call of the cross is that invitation to participation, to step into other people's lives, to step into other people's suffering and to bring hope and to bring joy. And when things aren't right, then we can step into those situations 
and do what we can do to try to, to try to make things right. It's so easy for us to have preconceived notions about people. Assumptions, yeah. Assumptions. And we make assumptions mm-hmm. about how people are, um, why they are the way that they are. Right. Um, but it's when you go through experiences like that, um, those preconceived notions begin to fall down. Right. And those assumptions begin right. to fall. And we know unity was so close to Jesus' heart. You know, I just think of him in the garden, you know, crying and praying, you know, for us to be one, right. for us to be one. And that's the call of the cross. Mm-hmm. And if we can cling to the cross and truly find our identity in the cross, not in these other things right. that we think are right and us being right and us having all the answers. But if we could cling to the cross, we would realize, I think, that it pushes us outside of our comfort zone and right. it pushes us to this unity. And the only way we're going to be able to get this unity is if we're willing to step across the boundary. Right. Well, we can stand there and admire the cross all day long, mm-hmm. you know, but until we take that step, that next step of I'm going to die with you so mm-hmm. I can live with you, you know, it, that's what the difference is, right. you know, and we can say the foot of the cross and just look up and admire and be respectful and we can believe mm-hmm. But are we going to follow? Are we going to do the same thing? Wow, what a story. Thank you so much, Seth, for sharing that with us. As you were telling it, I was thinking <laughs> to myself, like, children, don't try this at home. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, um, very dangerous. But when God leads you to do something like that, He's going to provide and He's going to protect and He's going to do those things. And I'm sure you've been changed forever. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing about right. it. You know, I wouldn't right. change any of that experience because right. it has been very formative in my life. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I'm, I hope that everyone has been challenged like I have. I've, I've been challenged just to ask, ask the Lord, uh, search my heart, you know, open my eyes, open my ears, search my heart, because I do want to get better. I do want to be more receptive and I do want to be more loving and I do want to, to do my part and, you know, equality for everyone because God loved the whole world. You know, that's why he sent his son and everyone should have access to him. It doesn't matter what race we are. It doesn't matter anything, but um, the vision has to go. It just simply has to go. Well, thank you so much for listening to Growing Hope, Living Faith. We would love to hear from you. Yeah, we absolutely. do have email. Um, you can email us at growinghopelivingfaith at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can check us out on our Facebook page, which mm-hmm. is Growing Hope Living Faith Podcast. And uh, check us out there. We'll have a lot more information uh, on there. And you can definitely follow us there to make sure that you're staying up to date on all of our podcast episodes. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Grace and peace. Bye-bye.